recently was visiting with one of our RCIA candidates, and we were going through the different teachings of the church, and we got to the part about confession. And as many of you know, to prepare for confession, there's often um, a page outside the confessional with the examination of conscience, and there's a lot of different ones out there. But usually, they're divided by the Ten Commandments, and then underneath each of those commandments, there's like some sub-questions for reflection to figure out, you know, um, whether or not you've sinned and, and what things you need to confess. Well, this RCIA candidate, he's a little confused why the examination was so long. He said, I thought there was only Ten Commandments. Why then are there all these other lists of sins? Where does that come from? Did we just make all that up? And I could hear in his voice like the surprise and also kind of the frustration. He said, you know, I mean, is everything a sin? Can I do anything at all? But, you know, we've probably also felt that way sometimes going through the, that examination. And in, in today's gospel, Jesus, you know, we're week three or four now on the Sermon on the Mount, and, and he continues to go deeper and deeper into uh, morality, which is not everybody's favorite topic, but, you know, we still got to talk about it. And as Jesus brings this up, he says, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. I have not come to get rid of the Ten Commandments, but to fulfill them and in a sense, almost make them more difficult because he interiorizes the law and makes them apply to things beyond just the first initial impression of what we think it applies to. But rather now, all these commandments, they also go deeper and they apply to the heart and, and they're, they're an entryway into the law of charity, learning how to properly love God and neighbor. And so Jesus continues, uh, and I actually chose a short version for you uh, this evening, but the long version had even more to say, and, and next week we'll have even more of that. So there's all kinds of things we can go um, with this weekend, but I, I've decided in particular to focus on two, two of the uh, sins that Jesus brings up, because these two, I believe, are, are applicable probably to all of us. Um, at least all of us have probably experienced these two sins somewhere in our life, but many of us may continue to, to experience the temptations of these two sins, either one or both. So and these sins are anger and lust. So I'd like to just spend a little time on these today um, and maybe make a few distinctions that might be helpful for us to recognize and um, how Jesus is inviting us to live. Because sometimes we can be a little discouraged, especially with those two sins. We can feel like, man, is it even possible to live this way? Is it, is it ever possible to live a life without anger and lust? Well, I hope that we can discover by the end of this homily that yes, the answer is yes. So Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not kill. But I say to you. Anyone who's angry will be held liable to judgment. You know, many of us uh, may have said once in our life, well, I haven't killed anybody. Right. But then Jesus says, but I say, anyone who's angry will be held liable to judgment. How many of us can say we've never been angry before? Right. Nobody. But 
St. Augustine, on his commentary on the uh, Sermon on the Mount, gives us uh, some helpful insight here. He says that Jesus doesn't reprimand the emotion of anger. He reprimands the consent to anger. And there's an important difference there. You see, because anger is an emotion that we might all experience from time to time, sometimes for good reasons and sometimes for not good reasons. But regardless, the emotion of anger is morally neutral. The consent to anger, to indulge in that emotion with complaints and insults and more drama and division and, and all of the rest, to let that anger eat us alive and we just, we just maul in it. That's a little bit different. You see, that's a consent, that's a choice that we make. And the same is true actually with lust. Jesus says, um, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. So you might be thinking, okay, well, I haven't cheated on my spouse. But Jesus says, but I tell you, anyone who looks with lust has sinned in his own heart. So it's the same thing. Um, We, because we're all human, the Lord has given us a good desire for others. There's a romantic desire within all of us. And and, and this is a good thing that the Lord has given us. And so we, we will all find ourselves attracted to people throughout our life. Even after you're married, you will find yourself attracted to other people. The attraction is not sinful. But the choice to indulge in an unhealthy attraction, to indulge in an attraction that's not your spouse, to indulge with your thoughts and with uh, allowing your, emotion, your emotions to, to cross boundaries and even maybe even to pursue sinful actions, all of that is a choice that we make. And that is whenever it becomes lust. So it's helpful to understand a little bit about the human heart. The Catechism of the Catholic Church, uh, paragraph 2563, um, explains that when the Bible talks about the heart, and it talks about the heart a lot throughout the Bible, but when it does, it's usually talking about the innermost place of the human person. And this deepest spot is the place of decision, it says. And it also says it's the place of encounter with God. But that's so important to to recognize that when the Bible speaks about the heart, it's talking about the will, the place of decision, the place where we make a choice. Nowadays, when we talk about the heart, we we talk about everything else but the will. We talk about the emotions. We talk about the the desires, the attractions, uh, the romantic feelings, the infatuation, whatever it is. We talk about everything else. But the Bible in particular, although the interior life of the person does include the emotions, the desires, the thoughts. All of that is underneath the umbrella and should be ordered underneath the will where we make a choice, either for God or against God. And that's especially true in terms of morality. The moral evaluation of something boils down to the choice. It boils down to the decision of the heart. And the emotions, the desires, the thoughts should be ordered from those choices. 
But oftentimes our emotions, desires, thoughts, sometimes they're involuntary. So think for a moment. I mean, have you ever had like an intrusive thought? Like where it just like pops into your head and you're like almost ashamed to like admit that you just had that thought. Or maybe you were on social media and you come across an image that, that you know is not good, and, but you didn't search for that image, it just popped up. Or on television, you're watching a good old show and then suddenly there's a scene that you know it shouldn't be uh, celebrated. Like sometimes this just happens and, and, and in that moment we have a, a critical decision to make and it happens milliseconds after we experience that, um, that thing that came to us. We can choose to have a second glance, to indulge the thought, or not. Have you ever um, in, um, experienced like a surprising emotion? Maybe you were overcome with anger and you didn't even know why you were angry, or you were surprised that you were so angry, or maybe a different emotion, sadness or something else. Like sometimes emotions just come to us and we don't even know why because the human heart uh, book of, I think, wisdom says, who can understand it? Or, or uh, a desire, maybe an attraction towards someone that surprises you. And, you know, you're trying to stay faithful to your marriage or maybe you're not married yet and you're trying to, to be chaste, but you just notice you're, you're surprised that, like, you have this, this romantic attraction for another. Sometimes these things are involuntary. And that's when we have a critical choice to make. We don't need to stress out about the fact that we had the emotion, the thought, or the desire, but rather we make the choice either to indulge or not. I had a a good friend of mine uh, did, did some prison ministry many years ago, and at this time in his life, he was a seminarian, and uh, he he was doing a little Bible study, and the, the theme of the week uh, was self-control, and he was kind of teaching or trying to teach these uh, prisoners about self-control. And he was explaining to them about, you know, even in his own life, like he has to wrestle with self-control, trying to grow in that virtue. And, um, and he was explaining to them what a seminarian was and, you know, how he's choosing to live chastely um, and that he's choosing a life of celibacy. And, and one of the, the prisoners just was having just the hardest time keeping up with this conversation. And he says, I just don't get it. He says, my whole life, I have indulged every single desire I've ever had. How can you say that we shouldn't indulge those? My seminarian, my buddy, he says, oh yeah, how's that worked out for you? (laughs) We know that there are desires that come within us that are not good. Sometimes we have thoughts that are not okay. We have emotions that are surprising that we didn't choose and, and we don't want. But all of, none of that is necessarily morally good or bad yet. It's that critical moment immediately after we experience those thoughts, those feelings, those desires. It's that critical moment. You could even say it's a heroic moment for us to choose God in that moment, for us to surrender in humility our weakness to the precious blood of Jesus Christ. As we surrender our interior lives, as we surrender our hearts to the crucified Lord, he makes us new. He sets us free. I mean, there is 
power in self-control. Think about it for a moment. You know, think about maybe a young kids who are siblings who annoy each other and, you know, just get on each other's nerves so much and, and consider, does it take more power to whack your sibling or to not whack your sibling? It takes more power not to. There is power in self-control. There is strength in virtue. And so Jesus tells us that we shouldn't be angry, shouldn't be lustful, not because he doesn't want us to have any fun, but because he wants to show us the way to life. And maybe some of you may know the tragic spiral that you can experience if you start to indulge your anger or your lust and you just keep indulging. Sooner or later, you start to find yourself enslaved. You start to find yourself in a deep darkness without inner power. We want freedom. We want healing. We want strength. We want life. And this comes from surrendering our whole interior lives, the deepest places of our hearts, to the crucified Lord. We make a choice. We consent with the heart to choose God in every circumstance. We actually make thousands of decisions every single day. We choose what to say, what to do, what to think. Choose God quickly. And the quicker that you choose him, and the more often that you choose him, the stronger that you become in the face of temptation. Amen. Thank you.